It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's good? What's good? What you, what, what, you, what you say? Mic check. All that fun stuff. What's going on, everybody? This is Jason Jones. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast where I talk Sacramento Kings. I talk hip-hop. And I'm happy to be talking to you with my voice pretty much back. Uh, yeah, it's been quite an adventure the last couple of weeks or really over the last 30-plus days. Got sick a couple of times, thankfully. Nothing that knocked me out completely, but it definitely played some games with my voice. Uh, Made recording a little difficult. Uh, Made the coughs come in and out, even though I thought I was feeling fine. I'd occasionally like, right in the middle, all that stuff. But I'm feeling good today. Go ahead and jump on into this thing. What it do? Again, this is the Rule of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And since we last met, of course, this meeting was virtual, you know, but since we last met, the Kings have not fallen off. You know, remember they had, you know, proper percentage points inched into that three spot in the West. Go ahead and light the beam, throw a party, yada, 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 yada. But since then... They've maintained that spot, even though you know that came after uh, Monday night's win over Memphis, a Memphis team without John Morant and Stephen Adams, who were given the night off. But I'm not going to act like that's not something to uh, sneeze, uh, like no big deal. They won because just on two nights earlier, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers rolled in, did not have Joel Embiid or James Harden. And then proceeded to mollywop the Kings <laughs> from about the se- late second quarter on, thanks to Tyrese Maxey, who I wrote about when it comes to shoes. Check that out in the, at theathletic.com. So, I said, I'm not going to sneeze on the Kings getting a win over a shorthanded anybody team because they just lost to a shorthanded team. But saying all that to say this, this late, it's late January we're getting near the trade deadline, and it's a little different this time of year for everybody in Sacramento land. It's not your normal King's trade deadline talk. Yeah, normally we're talking about, you know, usually we're talking about who's going to trade for Harrison Barnes, actually. <laughs> That's the normal talk, but we're not talking, you know, about that right now because... The normal trade rumors that surround the Kings 
aren't showing up right now. You know, a couple of years ago, it was about would Monty McNair give them, give the Kings enough to fight with to try to, you know, sneak into the playing spot. But was that a long-term plan? Was that like a long-range type deal that was going to really shift the the, uh, the forces of the franchise? No. DeLon Wright and Mo Harkless, who they added back then in 2021, were, they, were, they were solid moves. I liked the moves at the time because they did, after essentially, you know, doing almost next to nothing <laughs> to before the season, it gave the team a little bit of help to give it to have a chance at uh getting the plan you know injuries and whatnot and also just the fact the team really overall still wasn't that good kind of derailed that but even with those that said those moves weren't going to like move the needle to the sense of oh my god the teams near the in that playing range were all of a sudden scared of sacramento wasn't gonna happen you know and if the kings had made the plan they would have that would have been a great move yeah everyone would have lauded it but it didn't happen, and really, no one was shocked the Kings missed the playoffs anyway. So, hey, it is what it is. Last year, the trade deadline was a much bigger deal. That, of course, was in more than one. They made more than one deal, but the big deal, of course, was landing DeMontis Sabonis from Indiana. Cost the Kings, among other things, Buddy Heald and... The very popular Tyrese Halliburton, who looks like he could be on his way to making an all-star team for the Pacers. But the re- reality is the Kings had already committed to De'Aaron Fox uh, long-term with that max deal. And that Fox-Halliburton backcourt was limited to me in terms of long-range success because I believe Tyrese is at his best when he can handle the ball, run a team, and be the primary guy. And I think the same thing is with De'Aaron. Even though with Sabonis, it takes some of that that ability, that, that necessity to facilitate from him. I just felt like they were those two just were never going to mesh to the point to where you would have a, to me, a long term success. And because the Kings had already committed that money to De'Aaron, as good as Tyrese is, they essentially traded their backup point guard to get Sabonis. So I think you can live with that. And then he also got off Marvin Bagley III last year. And all and all in the midst of that, they ended up with Trey Lyles, who has become a good part of the rotation this season. You know, so you look at the, the big, uh, big, big uh, excuse me, the big picture. Did the Kings win a lot of games after, after the trade? No. Did they make the playoffs? Hell no. Of course we know that. But considering, you know, their record and all that happened, I think that made the the season a success because you set yourself up for this season, which has been, you know, by most accounts, especially even mine, yeah, mine included, far above expectations for this season. The Kings already have 27 wins. The Kings might actually have two All-Stars, never mind one. They might have two. And that changes how McNair probably looks at the trade downline this year. It's not about rebuilding. It's not about trying to stockpile assets for the future. It's not about uh, bringing in someone to look at, like, you know, hey, maybe this guy can fit in. You know, we get a look, you know, in exchange for maybe, you know, uh, you know some some you know minor draft capital. Now what you can look at is, 
can we make a move that will you know, improve our standing for the playoffs, which the Kings haven't said in damn near 20 years? That's why I'm not expecting anything major at the deadline. Of course, I probably end up being wrong because this time of year, we're all just guessing and speculating off of what we've heard. But I also don't expect to hear a whole lot of chatter about the Kings like we've had in the past. You know, like I said, we no longer live in the world where Harrison Barnes is about to be traded every day. <laughs> it's now when we're now in that world where the Kings might be looking at the buyout market going, hmm, you know, who can help us you know, improve our spot? Who can add some depth? You know, who's that veteran who might be able to uh, fill a need, add some depth, which is a lot different from where it's been in the past. Usually buyout market. Kings made no sense because guys who were getting bought out were trying to get into a winning situation. So why the hell would you look at Sacramento if you were being bought out? Not the case so much anymore. So what could the Kings be looking at in these next couple of weeks? Hell, you know, most of this talk this year has been about trying to find a good backup center, which I understand. The backup center spot has been problematic, but you know lately. Rashawn Holmes has shown flashes of that energetic guy who came in back in 2019 and stole or earned or took the starting job from Dwayne Detman. Maybe those flashes become consistent and you feel much better about your backup center spot. You know, Shemezi Metsu has a, you know, an injury right now. You know, it's one of those day-to-day, week-to-week things. It's not, you know, like it's a, you know, out for the year type deal, bone bruise type deal. So you'll probably eventually get him back. Maybe you're content with a Holmes met to, you know, and then still throw Alex Lynn in there. Maybe you're content with that, with those trio of bigs and maybe stealing some minutes at the five from Trey Lyles. So is it worth still looking? Of course, you should always look to improve your team, but... If, you know, if Rashawn can play at a high level, I think it makes it a less of a concern. And, of course, you would love more defenders, more 3 and D type guys. Right now, the Kings are 20, 30, 5th of efficiency. They have, Remember, they had, they had cracked the top 20 for a minute, but now they're back to being <laughs> what they were a good chunk of the season, which is pretty bad on defense. I think that's something they've got to address because it's, it's going to hurt them. In the postseason for sure. But every team is looking for, for 3 and D guys. They aren't the only ones. And what are you going to do to get those guys is the question. Who knows? But I think this, this trade deadline is going to be unlike any we've seen around the Kings in quite some time. Because there'll be buyers if they do anything. And it'll be buyers to get better. Not, one, not, not sellers. Not salary dumps. Not anything like that. So, and not to say that some of the trades they made in the past were just salary dumps. Obviously, when they traded for Harrison, that wasn't a, uh, that was a try to win then. It just didn't work out. But even then, when they made that deal, that team still felt like a team that probably wasn't going to make the postseason. This feels like a playoff team that can make moves to solidify that. Well, with all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take a break. I'm going to give you some uh, some messages from our uh, sponsor type folks. And I will be right back with the Ruler of the Court podcast. Brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. You know what, what it is this weekend. You got 
four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down the Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Hmm. Might not be a bad deal. Sounds good to me. But, you know, not a new customer? You can feel the... You can still feel that conference championship thrill with some stepped-up same-game parlays. Woohoo! Take a, take your shot at even bigger NFL payouts and boost your winnings with each leg up to 100%. So yeah, each leg you add, you can keep on boosting things. It's going to be a good weekend for football. I'm looking forward to the NFC Championship game. And as anyone who knows me, not because I want the Niners to win. I'm a admitted uh, Niner fan hater. I am pulling for the Eagles all the way. I want the Eagles to win it all. As a Raider fan, I could never want the Chiefs to win. And not that Joe Burrow's ever done anything to me. I just want to see the Eagles win. I like Jalen Hurts. He's in the same fret as me, Omega Sci-Fi, rude to the Qs. So, yeah, fly, Eagles, fly, and all that stuff. But that all being said, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, everybody. What I did this time was uh, doing something a little different. I went on my Instagram, posted a reel, you know, basically saying, "Hey, who wants to give me uh, some ideas for some music chatter?" Because there's some days where I don't know what I really want to discuss musically, but you know, we we make it happen. We figure it out. So shout out, you know, to my homeboy, my frat brother, my fellow uh, Moore League alum. Oh, for y'all to understand, the Moore League is the high school uh, sports league that Long Beach Poly and Compton High, where Daryl graduated from, all come from. It's a Long Beach thing, a Compton thing. But Daryl shot me and I shot me a question that I hadn't thought about in a minute, and it's a very good question, actually. You know, why don't rappers do skits anymore? Just ponder that. How often do you hear a skit anymore on an album? Ah, I'm still thinking. Not sure. You know, there was a time where it seemed like all the great albums had skits. Like, the rappers were all coming up with ways to come up with the most creative skit. Who could have the best one and all that type of stuff. For example, I would argue that the second biggest song on the Chronic album, which I think most of us would agree is the top five all-time album in hip-hop history, wasn't a song. It was a skit. I think D's Nuts is probably the second most popular, impactful, memorable track from that album. Besides nothing but a G thing, it's all about D's Nuts. Oh yeah, and, and the twenty dollars sack pyramid, the doctor's off. All you know, 
those are just three of the skits they had on there. But those skits were memorable. And I would love to know why we don't see more of those type of things in hip-hop anymore. And, you know, if I'm wrong and I'm missing them, if I'm just an old 40-plus dude who doesn't realize what's going on, please feel free to fill me in. I would love to see some of that creativity shine on in hip-hop. Remember Doggy Style had the bathtub skit, you know, in, in, on it. We got other examples, you know. Notorious B.I.G. had the fuck me skit. Little Kim had skits, you know. And I can go on and on and on. So, yeah, I miss a really good skit in, the, in an album, The Breakup. The uh, kind of the monotony of the of an album. Kind of, you know, sometimes they were like movie scenes when you watched them. They were just so entertaining or not watch them when you listen to them, should I say. Other times the skit was a great intro to an album. Or even a lead into a song. Think about the uh, Method Man song from the uh, the Wu Tang's Thirty Six Champions album. That song just starts with Ray Raekwon and and Meth just clowning each other, you know, or as they say, um, what do they call it? Um, some people say playing, uh, you know. Playing the dozens, I say clowning, cracking on people, whatever, however you want, you know. Some people, you know, say sigging out. I'm in the bay, so they say that too. So many different ways you could put it, but that was an essential part of the of the kind of hip hop. But man, it don't seem like I can find those same great skits anymore. And I miss that. I really like them. So when I started kind of contemplating what was the last great skit or skit I really liked? Uh, it's tough because none of them really jump out. You know, I think Snoop had on that back on death row thing. It was kind of like a little brief one to, to intro that. But I think maybe, I mean, you could say that Kendrick Lamar's Cry Together was just one long ass skit. Yeah, it, it has music to it and all that, but. It was basically a couple arguing. And to me, I'd almost put that, I mean, it ended up being a song due to the length of it and the cadence and all that. But that was, you know, that that type of thing could be acted out as a skit. To me, that would work. To me, I would like that. I think they should do more things like that. Not everyone can pull off what Kendrick did, but we can get something like that, in my opinion. So, there's just a level of creativity and artistry I want to see more of. I love lyrical MCs. I love beats that rattle my car speakers. But damn it, sometimes I just want to laugh. I just want to be entertained in the middle of my, you know, my one-hour album. I just want to get a good laugh in. So come on, rappers. Give me some skits. More skits. All the skits. Not all of them. Some of y'all may not be, be equipped to do it, but... I would love to see more of that outside the box thinking and just give us a different, you know, give it, you know, give me a little, a little something different on the album. And next, you know, next episode, I'm going to dig back into one of the other suggestions that I got, make that topic. I think that's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to rely on, on you all to give me some stuff to discuss when it comes to the music and we'll proceed from there.
So with all that being said, I'm going to get ready to get up out of here. Yeah, and just with the reminders of don't forget to sign up for DraftKings with that code TBPN. Go ahead and win you some money. You know, if you're going to be sad about the game or happy about the game, at least get something out of it. And you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones, where I share work stuff, random stuff. And whenever the pod drops, you always see a link there posted. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Jones LBC. That's where I'll be dropping some of the calls for topic ideas for music. Trying to get an idea of what you all want to talk about. Have some fun with that. And then, of course, you can catch my my work, my writing on theathletic.com. You can catch me on Tuesdays on ESPN 1320 in Sacramento with D'Lo and KC. You can catch me on the uh, J Street Vibes with uh, Kenny Carraway, uh, that pod. Uh, you can also look out for my uh, wrestling pod with my son, the Yes, We're Watching Wrestling Podcast. Royal Rumble's coming up this weekend, so we'll definitely be popping up there chatting wrestling with you all. So everyone be safe out there. Have a good time. I will catch all of y'all later. Again, I am Jason Jones. This is the Ruler of the Court Podcast, and I am out.